Now let us listen intently to God's word and be blessed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Today's Old Testament scripture comes from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. I will be reading from the New Standard uh, Revised Bible. Listen for the word of the Lord. A song of joy. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. O Zion, do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt you over he will exalt over you with loud singing as on the day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home, at that time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among the, all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. salvation I trust I shall not fear for the Lord is my strength my song he became my savior with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation cry out with joy and gladness for among you and 
Give thanks to the Lord. Give praise to his name. Make mighty his deeds known to the peoples. Declare the greatness of his name. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy one of Israel. Sing a psalm to the Lord, for he has done glorious deeds, make them known to all the earth. People of Zion, sing and shout for joy, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Cry out with joy and gladness, for among you is the great and holy. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on this third Sunday of Advent. I will be reading the gospel from Luke 3, verses 7 to 18. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen for the word of the Lord. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! who warns you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah. John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The word of the Lord. We live in a society where people claim their truths. And our individual truths justify our actions even when it is bad behavior. I am sure that even in that crowd are those who are professing to be Christians. And it can be difficult to tell the difference. Our text finds crowds who were probably curious, some doubting, some entrenched with no intentions to change, and others looking for transformation. But the text does not tell us that. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, open our ears and minds of the hearer that your word will be received. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. In our text, Jewish crowds came to the Jordan River to hear a wilderness prophet named John the Baptist preach and be baptized. In Matthew 3 and 7, a parallel passage, the Pharisees and Sadducees are the audience of his sermon, unlike in Luke, where it is generically the crowds. His opening words were not warm and inviting, such as greetings to all who come out, or welcome, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But shockingly, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee the wrath to come? In a not so subtle way, John makes it crystal clear to the deceitful heart that even the fear and venom of poisonous snakes cannot escape the peril of fire. We too can get caught up in fear of the unknown about today and tomorrow and find ourselves seeking God, not out of authenticity in our belief in a God who saves and redeems us, but as a rider on an insurance policy, if you will, that protects us from the impending realities that cause us fear. Old age, poor health, death, that which none of us can escape. Perhaps it is a particular situation. You may have experienced a temporary request for refuge when you told God, if you would just get me out of this situation, I will never do it again. Fruit trees and plants bear fruits naturally. Still, John's paradoxical, no exceptions remedy for the disingenuous hearts to receive God's forgiveness of sins was for them to bear fruits or to live a life worthy of repentance. Not even the insulation of ethnic or religious identity as Abraham's ancestor offered the security of salvation. God could use even wilderness stones to raise up children to Abraham as to clarify to the Jewishness of the crowd that God does not need them 
for God's redemptive mission. The urgency to turn toward God is palpable. As John proclaimed, even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. To repent or to be cut down by God can seem like bad news, but its urgency summons us to look at our reflection in the deep well of our souls where we often find selfishness, greed, and scandal opportunity. Sometimes pride can be greater than our faith, or the wall of shame can be higher than we want or can climb, or sometimes the guilt we carry can be too difficult to handle. It can be challenging to turn toward God when we find comfort in the routines and old habits of our lives. But John the Baptist knew the sovereignty of God, who sent one greater than he. His purifying words would prepare the crowds to have refined hearts that would transform their lives to serve others in the justice of the Lord. A repentant heart is a heart for Christ that rejoices in the magnificence of knowing God's unrelenting grace on us. Repentance produces unimaginable joy. Knowing God's grace surrenders God's power on us that we would turn to Christ, living in the expectancy of his coming, where we walk and serve in compassion for others in the power of the Holy Spirit. The sermon title this morning is Rejoice in Repentance. The thought of rejoicing in repentance can be appalling for some. Some might say to themselves, at my age, it's too late for me to change. Or say, everyone knows how I am. I've been this way my whole life. Or boldly proclaim, I already lead a good life. What more do I have to do? I believe the text highlights several reasons we can rejoice in repentance. We rejoice in repentance because there is still time for renewal. As we get older, it seems like time escapes us. Yet, there are only 24 hours in a day. We often use phrases like, what happened to the time, as a way of saying there's not enough time to get done those things that we think are important. Time does escape us, and so the jolt of the need for renewal, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come, awakens us to the blessed necessity of now. However, it can be easy to find excuses for living into the new rhythms of God's leniency. John the Baptist didn't want the Jews to use their Abrahamic legacy as an excuse. And God does not want us to use our family legacies in the church or our denominationalism or the successes of our lived experience instead of renewing our faith in Christ. The words bear fruit worthy of repentance are often misunderstood. As one theologian stated, we fail to hear in them God as an urgent lover pleading for commitment. 
The time God gives us to turn to God is incredible love and grace. We are grateful when people wait for us. We are thankful for their patience because they didn't have to do it most of the time. God gives us time for renewal through rededicating our lives in the distinction of being the children of God. Even when we do not feel worthy of God's love and we want to shrink in awe of God's power, God shows us mercy in the urgency of time. Praise be to God. God's grace waits for us to respond in love. During the children's chapel, uh, the Thursday before last, three and five-year-old children were asked how they could change and do good for others. The first little voice came from a three-year-old who gently said, listen, it was more than cute. Another little voice said, share. And yet another said, be nice. The answer that is always correct was shouted by a child who was sitting in the back of the class who said, Jesus, out of the mouth of babes, we learn we are living right now in a time of renewal where we can produce the fruits of listening, sharing, being nice, and keeping our mind fixed on Jesus, where we find joy in the life-giving blessing of helping others. We can rejoice in repentance because God can change us. Verse 8 says, to those that doubt, God is able. Our transformation is a characteristic of God's power, and the stones of our lives are not too big or hard to match God's grace. You see, repentance guides us into a distinctive lifestyle of justice and compassion that reflects the genuineness of living in God's mercy. Some people, however, work hard to remain in control. I read a story by David Yarborough that made me laugh and made me think about how resistant we can be to change. This is a story about a man who cried out to God after being saved by a nail. A man was putting on a roof on his house when he slipped and he began to slide down the side of his roof. He cried out to God to save him when no sooner than the words came out of his mouth, a nail snagged his pants and stopped him. When he finally stopped and realized he was okay, he said, never mind, God, I took care of it. God can even change stubborn people. When we recognize God's grace and mercy as believers, individually and corporately as the church, we cannot help but ask ourselves how we join in on what God is already doing. The response to John's preaching was, what then should we do? The repentant heart gathers with other believers in spirit as a corporate response to our inward dependency on God and our outward living of the gospel. Repentance calls us into intimacy with others. We share our possessions and food with others. Do not take financial advantage of people who trust our counsel or abuse our authority to build illegitimate power 
status, and profit. This repentant heart was the response of the crowds, tax collectors, and soldiers, respectively, to the preaching that turned their hearts toward the living divine justice and compassion for humankind. Making fruits of repentance demands two things, divine input and our neediness to rely on God, who gives all in unimaginable love to us. What then should we do? There are gifts that God has given us to make a difference in the spaces where we are. Whether it be at home, whether it be at our uh, work, whether it be in the church or in the community where this church is planted. Our response might be as simple as a smile or perhaps sharing an experience that you had that would comfort someone who feels isolated in their pain. Maybe it is a word of encouragement to someone who is having a bad day or perhaps an act of kindness. We ought to listen to God and respond. Micah 6 and 8 reminds us by saying, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We should rejoice in repentance also because the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire leads us from a good life to a gospel life. It is great to live a good life, and indeed plenty of people do. But if you thought you had everything you could want, you would have to admit that there is still a feeling of wanting that the world cannot satisfy. There are no material goods or wealth or people in our lives that can compensate our barrenness away from the living God. Doing good deeds can become checkboxes for community service, self-recognition, or simply feeling like you are doing your part in the community. And yet, many of our hearts are still in crisis. It is interesting to note that the preparation for the hope and joy of Christ's coming always seems to arrive at a time of crisis, which is true in this passage. The Greek word for crisis is krisis, which means judgment. In our time of crisis or our wilderness moments is where we meet God's love and judgment in the grace of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Through having a repentant heart, we are no longer the generic crowds who hear the preached word. We become the people of God, verse 15, ready to receive more power than what John could give in his baptism. Jesus baptizing us with the Holy Spirit and fire. John's hearers would have understood the Holy Spirit as a divine figure that, as one scholar suggests, more than symbolically washes us clean, but immerses us into the power 
and person of God. The Holy Spirit fills us full and the fire refines our faith like a refiner's fire that prepares us for the judgment of God. We will not fear but rejoice in knowing his winnowing fork is in his hand because Christ has found favor in those who lean wholly on him to guide their lives. The reason for our great rejoicing and repentance is God seeks to embrace us and is calling us back into a divine relationship with Christ. Mark 1 and 15 says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The Greek word for good news in verse 18 is a verb and not a noun suggesting as one scholar calls it divine activity. In God's divine activity, our good life becomes the gospel life. We become faithful and authentic followers of Jesus Christ. We're bearing the worthy fruits of repentance becomes our nature. Are you rejoicing in living the repentant life? Or are you hanging on by a nail? If we ask, if we ever experienced a miracle, many Christians would say no. We cannot recall a supernatural moment in our lives uh, worth noting, but we find joy in the stories we've heard or the miracles we have witnessed. Stories such as being told that you only have six months to live and yet you're here to tell your story. Or maybe you were in a car accident that everybody said no one should have survived, but you did. Stories like these are powerful and give us hope that the mystery of God is at work in the world in inconceivable ways. Sometimes we do not recognize God's miraculous hand in our lives. Repentance is one of those miracles for a repentant heart has been changed to acknowledge the grace of the living God and springs forth to serve in Christ's ministry. Let us rejoice in repentance that we have been given time to renew our lives in Christ and walk in faith with others. Let us rejoice in repentance that relinquishing our truths and living in God's grace transforms us to walk in the authority of the one who came and will come again, Jesus Christ. And let us rejoice that we are called to live a gospel life where we will serve others in the now kingdom of God and know that we are prepared to meet the King of Kings as a new creature in Christ who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and purified by fire. When we rejoice in repentance, we can boldly sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king. Amen.